Uh, so we have a name now. We do. Singularity. Is that how you pronounce it when you say it? We've only texted it. <laughs> uh, singularity. Yeah. Okay. It's it's singularity. Yeah. So I got that connection. You, you said this is already a word, though. I thought it was just a made-up word based off of singularity. Okay. So we'll go through the full story here. Okay. So singularity. Well, okay. So we were trying to come up with a name for this podcast. And throwing words around left and right and searching for funny looking words. Out of the blue, Elon Musk on Twitter, I'm a big, big fan of his, starts tweeting pretty much nonsense. Like he's starting a media empire. Like that's what he said. Starting a media. Inter, uh, intergalactic <laughs> or what would he call it? Intergalactic media empire. Or maybe interstellar. I don't okay. remember. Otherwise, very Elon. Yeah, very Elon. Uh, and then so someone was like, oh, can you clarify what you mean by that? And so his response was, singularity. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm taking it from a, as a sign from the heavens that that should be the name of this podcast. And yeah, I'm a little concerned that it's going to turn into a project of his. And then we're just going to have... Maybe that'll be our benefit. Though. Maybe we are the project. Oh, this is the Elon Musk podcast <laughs> that he started. I'll start listening to that. Well, so there's a little bit of there's a little bit of a story about what thinkularity is, though. Too, uh, I looked into it a little bit. It's almost a completely unused word, except for this one like French professor, and he speaks French, so I don't really know for sure. But somebody kind of translated on Reddit for me that this guy's like whole philosophy thing is that he's sort of a futurist. Mm -hmm. uh, first, there was the thingularity, which started with the iPhone in 2007. Then there was the specularity, which started with Siri, I guess. And then, so like the final human computer interaction method leading up to the singularity is the thinkularity. And that is okay. a brain computer interface, which is. So that's, I guess, having a device, singularity, the device speaking to you. Specularity? Fing then... Fingularity is the first one because you're using your finger. Oh, fingularity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then the last evolution is that it's just jacked directly into your brain. Yeah, fingularity. Okay. And that's one of the companies Elon Musk has started. Neuralink is yeah. basically attempting to do that. Uh, and then, so then the final step is, is, um, is singularity, which is like something becomes semi-sentient, a computer, and it kind of just changes the way that life as we know it works. Got it. Yeah. And so, yeah, so uh, Neuralink, which is Elon's one company, and then OpenAI actually are even housed in the same office building in San Francisco. Like, they're best friends, basically. Hmm. Um, so I'm pretty sure that when he said thinkularity, it has some reference to that, like, chain of, uh, you know, first the iPhone, then Siri, then... Yeah. The brain interface. So he's up to something in that regard, but it makes a cool name for a podcast. So I think I want to use it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. We'll change it if we have to. Yeah. And the listeners know for four episodes now that this is the name <laughs> of the podcast. And then yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it stays. So we also have some follow up. Um, we talked about email clients last time. And I downloaded Astro, and I gave Astro a shot. And it was interesting, um, but I, I've gone back to Spark since. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Quick interjection. 
They yeah. tried Spark. <laughs> went back to Astro. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'm interested in what you didn't like about Spark, but um, the I guess I'll so for Astro. What do you, so it's split into like these two inboxes, and yeah. it that the toggle is always visible. Uh, do yes. you use both inboxes? Yeah, so you get a little tab at the top, and one is urgent or priority, priority inbox, and the other is like less important stuff. And I think the idea is if you get a stupid amount of email, that that's supposed to be like really helpful. Yeah, and it's it's similar to what Gmail does with like their important tab. Um, but I, no, I turned that off almost immediately. I don't get enough email for it to be worth it. Oh, so you can turn it off so that the toggle is not always <laughs> at the top. Yeah, there's a setting. Okay, so yeah, the annoying part for me is like it has all these things visible at all times <laughs> that I can't turn off. And if I'm not using it or I never want to use it, I don't want it to be there, which brings me to the bot. I, <laughs> I, would, I would never use that bot. And it's got a dedicated button like right in the center yeah. of, the, of the menu bar or the toolbar. Yeah. Um, so I don't like that bat. Um, yeah, and then just like the tab bar at all always being there, I'm, I'm not a big fan of. No, I I completely agree. I don't touch the bot. I I very infrequently use the bot. It is a little bit convenient because you really can type to it, like add account or um, search for stuff, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, to be honest, I didn't give the bot the shot just because, yeah. like, unless it's perfect, I'm not going to use it because it, once, yeah. it, once I want to try to use it and it doesn't work, it's more trouble than it's worth. But I certainly don't use calendar. I really don't use the like. There's an insights notification tab yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't use. I didn't want to use that either. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's why I like Spark is just because Spark is very clean. Every all the features like I use all the features. Mm -hmm. So there's like whether or not it's wasteful, it feels wasteful to have all these things and buttons that I would never use. Yeah. I use everything in Spark, which is probably why I switched from Airmail aside from it moving to paid. Um, so yeah, I like Spark just because it's nice, clean. I can get in and out. It's very fast. I can quickly sort and filter and archive all of my emails. Um, the composite button, like the start a new email, is just a dedicated button at the mm -hmm. bottom. I can also add, customize like my pins or like whatever stuff I want to get to quickly. And uh, I also, I'm a big fan of um, like doing the same actions with multiple emails at the same time. Mm -hmm. So what I typically do is I'll go down my email list, say when I wake up or something, and because I always want inbox zero. Yeah. So I'll go through and I'll um, like sort the ones that need to be sorted or reply to the ones that need to be replied to. And then I can just do a blanket sweep and archive everything else without having to go individually. Yeah. Um, so I guess just that's just like such ingrained part of my how I check my email that without having that, it's kind of annoying. That's the that's the thing with Astro is it feels like well first first of all I think you can bulk select things by like okay. holding in Astro, mm -hmm. uh, but to the point you made earlier with like kind of things are just laying around in its interface yeah it it feels like a very modern email client because it has all these features like like reply tracking and things yeah I like those features but at the same time it I don't know it feels just like clunky to me. And, and I'm, I tried Spark, right? Hello, Paul from the future here. I got a little bit confused in this episode. I tried a lot of email clients, and I thought that Spark was Edison, and Edison was Spark. So going forward, I'm referring to Edison when I say Spark. And I loved it. I loved everything about it. I had it all set up with the email 
like I have different folders where I kind of move things, mm -hmm. have those all set up. Uh, it was just a great experience. And the thing that killed Spark for me was I sent an email. I don't know what happened. Like I, I looked afterwards and kind of figured it out. I think they have some kind of spotty Gmail support. Like people in the review section were saying how that wasn't working all the time or something. So your email didn't send? It didn't send, no. And it also like disappeared. And I think it came back eventually or something. But like I replied to someone and they never got it. Was this stuck in your <laughs> outbox or it, it was just completely gone? It didn't show up in the outbox. I don't know. It was like in the ether or something because it eventually did send. But um, that's weird. And yeah, and even the latest like update to Spark at the time was um, it said something about we oh we fix Gmail stuff. So oh, okay. so there was a problem. I guess they thought they fixed it, and then maybe they still didn't fix it, or maybe I set it up wrong. I don't know. But okay. Well, but, if they mentioned it in the in the notes, maybe that like maybe they fixed they made some change caused the issue and yeah. they tried to fix it. And I've never run into that, but... Um, but So I, I very begrudgingly went back to Astro. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is, so it's, I think this is a related issue, but Spark would not, like I could move a message and it would disappear. And then like I'd refresh the page and the email is back. <laughs> so yeah, I've been having that issue this week. That's never happened before ever. Yeah. So I think you chose a bad week. <laughs> But that's been annoying for me, too, because I've been snoozing things and moving them into folders, and the next time I open it, they're all back. But that's that's never happened before until, like, two, two or three days ago. So, like I said uh, before the show here, I'm working my way through a backlog of some, some old Hello Internet episodes, or Cortex or something. Um, and in one of the episodes, like, one of their emails, uh, one of, like, Mike's emails gets mm -hmm. moved to the spam when it shouldn't have been, and he's just oh, yeah. like... Okay, you're dead to me. <laughs> That's how I feel with Spark. That's why I'm not a fan of like these like smart filters or these like smart inboxes where it automatically sorts your things yeah. into different inboxes because I don't trust that it's gonna be right. Yeah. I don't trust that my like I can just check my important one and um, well, so I, here's the thing. I desperately wish that Astro would sort I might have said this on the other podcast, but I wish it would sort like it has that priority inbox and it just does a binary, does this belong in priority or regular? Mm -hmm. But I really wish it would just rank priority of emails because I like, I check them. Some people maybe don't and appreciate the chronological mm -hmm. order, but when I check them, the order that they're in is irrelevant. You mean Spark? So Spark does have a smart filter. No, I'm, I'm an Astro. Oh, okay. I'm a, I, I wish Astro would rank it down the line, like the first email, is the thing it thinks is most important and that I need to reply to or whatever. Gotcha. That's what I wish was a feature. Okay. Because like you, when you check it like every day or whatever, it really doesn't matter whether that came at 3 a.m. or 9 a.m. Yeah. So you when know? you so in Spark it has a thing called Smart Inbox that you can toggle to that has instead of being multiple inboxes, it's like they're grouped emails and it, but it's all in a single like scroll. So at the top will be your important <laughs> stuff. Below that is um, basically everything else, and then below that is things that you've already read. Mm, but yeah, they haven't been yeah. Also sorted yet. I like the idea. See, I also tried some other email clients, and now it's just I'm mixing them up in my head. Yeah. Um, um, I also this is like just it really fast, but we talked a little bit earlier last week while I was on vacation about uh, third-party keyboards. 
Mm-hmm. So I tried the Google keyboard. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I've switched back since oh, on that, too. I kind of want to see that on your phone, though. I can I can reinstall it, but I, I don't know how to explain it. And maybe, like, you need to use it to, like, get used to it or to train it in some way. But, like, my typos were, like, through the roof. <laughs> uh, it wasn't fixing anything. And, like, just again was, like, more bulky than I liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's got like a little bit, it's like a little bit taller has a big yeah. button I, and I'm just not a big fan of like again wasted space I, I just want to be able to use everything that's on the screen I deeply wish that I could turn off the Google button at the top yeah if I could if you could customize it to like turn on and off all the features that you want but like yeah. I don't need like a dedicated GIF search I use that but yeah I, I guess I don't know I just don't I just don't really use that uh, and but like in switching back, deleting that and switching back to um, the dedicated like the Apple keyboard. Did you know that there was like a left and right like one-handed keyboards built into the default keyboard? Um, like when I was redoing this, I learned that there you can set it so that it like you know Gmail or like the Google keyboard and other third-party keyboard it like squishes it to the right if you have like an iPhone. I guess you have you have the iPhone five. Yeah. Or, se se yeah but in like the larger screens you can like it squishes it to the right hmm. so that you've got like some some empty space on the left and so you can reach it all with your thumb interesting yeah but the default keyboard does that and i did i never knew that until i was just playing around with it you like press and hold on the globe button and it says choose like right-handed keyboard yeah i thought that was cool that was a feature that i liked when i was using third-party keyboards yeah I've always been, I've like typed with my phone really weird. I use one thumb and then I use index finger. Yeah. I've noticed that. Is that unusual? I think it is, but it, it's pretty effective. I recommend trying it. And yeah. then the index finger is really good on the swipes because you can just get that all around. I do use, like I'll hold it in my left hand and I use my index finger to like navigate. And mm-hmm. I always type with my thumbs, but I feel like a grandpa when I'm using like a my finger like that. Thumbs are just so big. <laughs> Maybe it's because of the size difference of the phone too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even when I had, like, even when they only had the smaller phones, I was always using two thumbs. Hmm. Maybe I was using one. There's, I mean, it's impossible <coughs> to know. Quick update uh, on the top. Are we done with the keyboards? Yeah, that's all I had was just the right-handed keyboard. I didn't thought that was cool. One quick update with the uh, home screen. So I mentioned Airtable, and yeah. I love it dearly. Yeah, somebody at work came up to me yesterday and was like, yo, you gotta try this Airtable thing. Mm. I haven't tried it, I still haven't dug into it, but... What was work guy use it for, like work stuff? He just said it was like a really cool way to like quickly create, um, he uses it for like, a, for like scheduling, so, mm. you can, so it's like you can put it all in a spreadsheet and it like can generate different views of it or something. I don't really know, but he used it in some way like that. Yeah, it's weirdly like, uh, so I, it's, it's basically like Excel, but it weirdly ends up getting used in a lot of like business management type things somehow mm-hmm. even to the point that like i think some of the views you can create are um what are those things called that are it's gantt like chart. a yeah like a gantt chart view and stuff like that uh, but yeah. i just was using it for tracking i think that's kind of what he uses it for it was the gantt charting yeah uh, but that has since been dethroned i loved it uh but i was like mm-hmm. just tracking like every little thing in my life so I have since switched it out for an app called Just Done, and it's just basically a little simple tracker thing that uh, lets you kind of just log things. And, and what it really does in a strong way is keep track of streaks. 
Oh, okay. So it's just like every day if I do this thing. Isn't there an app uh, called Streaks? I think there's a lot, and I tried damn near every one. Yeah. But this one was just simple, and it's like not trying to do a million things. And some have like they give you tips, and they have preset activities or something. Yeah. This one's just it's pretty simple, and I really appreciated it. it looks clean. So is it basically you just you're just tapping, and it just increments? Yeah, you just tap, and it it one ups it, and you can set like oh, if I do this more than twice, like if I do this twice a day, then consider it like successful hmm. and I get like a streak or you can say like if I if I eat out like that's one of the things I have if I eat out too much so if I do that like three times in a week oh that's a good thing then, to track, it, actually. then it counts against me like it it goes gray oh, when okay. I've done it three or more times oh so you can yeah deter you can decide whether or not higher is good or bad yeah you can do good habit bad habit uh, that's cool does it have like a widget so you don't have to open the app you can just do it from like the um, lock screen I don't know that I know if it has a widget. I don't think I tried. That sounds cool. I might I might yeah. look into that. So it's a little tricky. Like, it's very well designed, but it's also a little tricky. To, like, set up? Just to, to figure out, like, how its brain works, like yeah. how, the, how the logic is working underneath it. Yeah. But once I got it going, it's just super convenient, uh, very quick tracking, and I get, like, real feedback and kind of motivation by seeing the streak of, uh, you know, not eating out this many times or exercised. Mm -hmm this many days in a row, I gotta keep that going. So does everything start from zero at the beginning of the day, but you can go back and view, or is it just always incrementing? Yeah, so you can, so if I'm in here, and then I wanna exercise, right, so you can come in here and look, and oh, then you got like a calendar view for what days you did and didn't, oh, that's and really there's cool. like little charts and things, and just pretty, pretty well made. Okay. Pretty well made. I'll definitely try that out. Yeah. So should we get into, so speaking of Thinkularity, should we get into South by Southwest and some of the Seattle and stuff? Yeah, take us away on that. Oh, okay. Um, well, um, so he did an interview at South by Southwest, um, talked about a lot of things. Surprise interview, by the way. Oh, was it a surprise yeah, interview? Yeah. I just saw it. No, so I was signed up as a volunteer for South by Southwest. I think I said that oh, yeah. on the last one. And, uh, you know, I was like, uh, <laughs> I always regret it. I always regret not going to South by Southwest. Elon Musk shows up. Surprisingly, he was on a panel for like... Westworld. Yeah, for Westworld for like five minutes. And I was like, oh, I didn't miss that much. Next day, he's like, oh, I got a full hour of Q&A. So before, I get in, before yeah. we get into this, what was that... The, the guy with the cowboy hat and the guitar, what was that all about? Oh, I, guess that was, I guess that was his brother, <laughs> yeah, that's but Kimball. why did he have a cowboy hat and a guitar? Uh, Kimball always wears his cowboy hat. I don't know what it is. I, mm, I, don't, I don't know if he's from, I don't think he's been to Texas. Like, he lives in Colorado, so I don't know where the cowboy hat Aren't they both from. from South Africa, or? Yeah, we can do the history of the Musk family. <laughs> they were born and raised in South Africa, Pretoria, uh, but then one by one or eventually they ended up kind of in Canada-ish area. There's yeah. like a picture of Elon working on a farm and things like that. Uh, then they ended up finally in America. He, Elon then ended up in Silicon Valley and now he's pretty much been in California and Kimball Musk at some point ended up in Colorado. So that's, gotcha. he's never been a place where cowboy hats are popular, but I guess <laughs> he's just into it. He's just like, I'm in America, why not? <laughs> um, he talked, they talked about a lot of stuff, though, but um, let's start with the, the Boring Company stuff. Mm -hmm. So you're the one that put this in here, so I'll let you take this away. Right, okay. Uh, so well, this was just a little bit of an update that uh, 
they, I guess they already talked about this loop, which was basically you go up or you, you drive onto a platform, like in a parking space, it takes your car down into this tunnel system, uh, and then takes you to different places at like 150 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, basically like personal high-speed transit. I guess the update is focusing that on pedestrians, um, allowing people with bikes or walking around to also go through the system. Um, the things I had to say about it was just a, a couple of questions that I thought might be fun to talk about. So imagine that you're like walking down the street, there's a parking space, that's empty, that is meant for, at least in the renders, completely open for anybody to go anywhere near. And then it just like slides open and a car pops out of it. Uh -huh. For this to be like all over the city sounds super dangerous. <laughs> and like obviously there'll be some sort of sensor to make sure it's safe to open. But you could just like put a big boulder on top of it and then the thing never opens and they're trapped in there. Like uh, how, how does that, what's, I, what's the logistics of this look, work I, look like? I don't remember, I think I remember seeing something with the, like a fence, you know, they, someone, I think, asked something along the lines of, you know, what happens if you fall in, and, you know, that rendering is not exactly how it'll be, yeah. so. I guess, I think, now that I think about it, yeah. it could very simply just be, instead of wide open and a floor open, it could be just a contained big box that it goes into, and then the door yeah. of the box opens so it knows that nothing's going like to get out. But the, it, this, the other scenario here is, like, what if some mischief maker puts a boulder on it, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you could easily sabotage it, which maybe, like, if they're all over the place, you could just, you would just go to the next one. But, like... This is where I, this is where I reference trains, because, boy, oh, boy, like, trains yeah. are not a reliable... Like, like, anyone could track, like, could cut a piece of track anywhere mm -hmm. and just instant train derailment and it like never happens at all like no one has ever sabotaged train i mean they probably have but like no yeah. one has sabotaged a rail track to the point that like it's made the news or it makes it a lot so yeah it's just people don't there are also like ways to monitor that and they come and fix it which i guess obviously they would do the same thing i, I don't know i guess i'm just confused on like how this is gonna how this could work like in a in a real world, yeah. Uh, the other thing I was wondering was, all the examples show the advantage to this is that these tracks underground can go. And I'm by no means saying we shouldn't do this. By the way, I love it, mm -hmm. but it it shows like going to like 130, 150 miles an hour through the tunnels. That's awesome. Um, but if like you're doing like that, wouldn't account for like going around a city. Like, I don't need to go five blocks away at 150 miles an hour. And also, is it worth going underground, going a few blocks and going back up? Would that be, like, so much slower then? Like, I don't get why the pedestrians... Like, I understand the cars more than the pedestrians, I guess. Yeah, I think you're talking about get across the city in most cases. I, I get that it's for, like, getting across the city. I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to think about, like... Is this more efficient than above ground transportation that could have much more easily let people in and out without going through this whole like elevator system? Well, I think it remains to be seen to some extent. Like it seems great for long distance travel. I don't yeah. see it as great for traveling around like even a larger metropolitan sort of area. I think maybe your minimum is ten or twenty miles on this distance that you want to go with this to alleviate traffic so that people 
can get you know okay. use normal streets to is get that how the frame is enough though for more long uh -huh. distance sort of stuff because well i mean so this originates from the hyperloop right right which is meant to go from like san francisco to los angeles right and that's like oh, i would love that yeah that's 600 plus miles per hour and uh i think a little bit of what this is here so so you mentioned it's called loop this is i think one of the first times we've heard this system called loop and also, for a while, Boring Company was not necessarily associated with the Hyperloop, aside from the fact that they were working on tunnels and a Hyperloop can go in a tunnel. And it's yeah. slowly come into being that, ah, okay, so what he really wants to do here is he wants to build a Hyperloop that uses the tunnels that the Boring Company creates. So I think really the long-term plan here, and even on their website, there's FAQs, and it just says, like, yeah, if you take one of these passenger pods and you make it, uh, like airtight, now it's a Hyperloop pod and it can go 600 miles per hour. So they, they really want to make this system just basically as soon as the policymakers allow it to go 600 miles per hour, they flip a switch or switch out the carts and it's very simple to make it now a Hyperloop, basically. Okay. Well, the, the example that they showed in like the teaser video was more of like a big web of um, tunnels. Mm -hmm. which a Hyperloop obviously couldn't go through. You can't turn, you can't make that sort of turn at 600 miles an hour. I guess... Yeah. I think they take some liberties in the animations. That's true. I, mean, I, I would bet that they're going to try to make... So, like, Boring Company has three projects right now. A six-mile tunnel in Los Angeles that's just proof of process. Yeah. A DC to Baltimore tunnel that is supposed to, you know, it's like that's in the works. Um, but I think that one, like, it even so it says on their FAQ, I think they're going to make that one able to be a Hyperloop at this flip of the switch. So it doesn't, I don't think, have any major bend that would prevent it from being a Hyperloop. Okay. Yeah, I guess maybe I should have read the FAQ. And <laughs> kind of like listen to it. That's, that's actually very new. That's oh, okay. newer than that video was. I guess what I took from the name Loop is that short distance stuff would be called Loop and long distance would be Hyperloop. Yeah, so Hyperloop definitely is you're going between cities. Loop, like I said, I think is that 10 miles, and then if you're really just trying to go a couple blocks, now the streets are less congested because people are using public transportation because it's badass because they're all in the, the pods, yeah. you know? Yeah. All right, and I, I don't know if you know the answer to this. I remember a while ago he was talking about this in some interview. It might have been like the Recode interview. Um about like earthquakes in the tunnels he said something about like how low they are um you know earthquakes aren't felt i've never like i'm just thinking of this now but do you understand like why the earthquakes are just negligible at a certain depth it doesn't i think it's just because you're part of the earth that's moving they they addressed that a lot and it was addressed in the uh hyperloop alpha paper that was out in like 2013 and i I think consistently has just been not a big concern, although people tend to think it might be. Yeah, uh, I, I trust that it's not. Yeah. I'm just curious about the details. And I know, like they've said, like a subway car in London or whatever. If London has an earthquake or somewhere, those are never places that are okay. in, in ruins. I guess that's true too. Is that yeah. we know where these things happen and can just build around it. If it were an issue, maybe it's not even a concern at all. Yeah, I don't know if it is, but um. And then, um, I don't know, we might cut this out, but the third project is they are one of two companies 
making a proposal for a transit system from downtown Chicago to the O'Hare International Airport. And, you know, up in the air what exactly that would be, but probably something along the lines of this, this electric skate that goes at like 150 miles per hour. So what is that again? It's just basically public transportation through the airport? Chicago? Yeah, so Chicago put out a, like, hey, get people from downtown to the airport better. Uh, like, okay. like proposed. that's separate from the loop? That would be, I think, a loop, too. Oh, okay, I see. The okay. main loop that is addressed on their website is uh, the D.C.-Baltimore gotcha. one. The Chicago one, you know, they don't have locked down yet, but they're going to be submitting a proposal. Okay. And then again, there's that test, uh, test track in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's always funny hearing about, like, now these companies, like... Like Amazon's doing their HQ too, mm -hmm. and they basically can just say like, "We're going to build a headquarters. You guys like <laughs> pitch to us." <laughs> and like Elon Musk, like he got all those tax breaks for um, the Gigafactory, yep. and I'm I'm sure people would jump to have this loop in their city. Yeah, I just think it's awesome that like it's it's kind of funny that it's going the other way around now. Yeah, I really don't doubt that they're going to close on the Chicago project too. Like yeah. they're going to get that. So. Um, I don't know what else you wanted to talk about from South by Southwest, but I was interested in like some of the Mars conversation. Um, All right, hit me. Well, I guess I don't have anything too detailed. I mean, we'll cut this out too because I don't. But um, talking about more, which I think something is something that Elon Musk does really well is thinking about like things from all the angles, like. When he made Tesla, he was like, okay, we can make a $70,000 car that looks like a Prius, or we can make a $100,000 car that's a sports car that people will actually buy. And the way, like, he attacks things from, like, an economic and even political, and, like, he thinks about things from more just an engineering perspective, which I think is cool. So he, but he was talking a little bit about, like, the governance um, of some sort of base on Mars or on the moon. Because oh, yeah. they would need their own political system. Um, they're not going to listen to people, you know, on Earth about how to how to do what they're doing. And some of the like the proposal that he made was um, like there would be no like what is it called like delegate like you're not voting for somebody to then uh, vote on things on your behalf ever because back then you know some people couldn't read or write um, the um, you know, U.S. Postal Service was unreliable, but now, like with the internet especially and all this stuff, every single person could vote on issues rather than voting on somebody to vote for them. Mm -hmm. So his whole, like, he, he talked about, like, people voting on specific issues and also making, keeping laws short. Um, the longer the law, the more room for, like, interpretation. Um, and then he also <laughs> talks about making it easy to... Um, remove laws, but hard to create laws, I think it was. Or maybe it was the other way around. Yeah, I know in uh, this interview, it's kind of a blur for me because it was a little while ago now, uh, but previously he has definitely said that he wants there to be a sunset provision so that any law that is not reapproved would yeah. just be removed immediately. I just really, I really like the idea of like, um, hard to create laws, easy to remove them because yeah. so, so often like, Things are so boxed in because of outdated laws that it's hard to progress, and I've never thought about it in that way. Like just like a simple sort of 
um, change. Like maybe it's like a 60% vote to um, pass and like a 40% vote to remove. Something yeah. like that, which I thought was really interesting. We've got a really great opportunity with Mars. I mean, it'll be a while, but yeah. so you've got probably like pretty much the first government that would be built around having technology. Yeah. And that's a substantial threshold. You know, it's not like an arbitrary thing because, I mean, unless there's some kind of physics, I don't know, like a, a new version of computers that we'll have after we have a Mars base and then we have an old government compared to that new technology. Yeah. You know, having computers versus not com having computers is as like night and day as you can have a government be, right? Yeah. So any government built with that in mind and the fact that people can communicate pretty much instantly, at least on Mars, maybe not necessarily with Earth, depending on the time of the year. Yeah. Um, I would love to be around like a hundred years after we've like established bases on both of these, like mm -hmm. on Mars or on the moon or something, and see how things progress like in parallel. Like how like do things move so much faster and then eventually Mars is going to be like the Silicon Valley of the solar system wow. that's like yeah. moving so much faster and so much better and so much smoother because we're so bogged down by thousands of years of like laws built on top of laws and um i don't know i just think it's, it'd be an interesting um thing to live through and see how that kind of goes what a time to be alive and then the other thing with government is blockchain has a lot of applications yeah. with uh just governing i mean that's basically what it is in its entirety uh so to see a government possibly built on some kind of decentralized system yeah and if this is going to be like a representative, like a represents Earth, it has to represent everybody on Earth and not just like America, uh, which I think would require some sort of decentralized system to even be fair. And like things like voting and all of that should be happening on Earth soon, but we'll see about that. Um, I also thought it was interesting that he talked about like his time allocation. So... He said like 80% of his time is spent on like engineering type work and not so much like business, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously most of his time was spent on Tesla and SpaceX. Yeah, people I think think that he's just this very removed guy. No, like Elon, he's got his office like right in the center of the production floor. Yeah. He's staying there days and nights at the Gigafactory to get production through. He's like working with his hands to make these things happen. And uh, that's what's really cool. And he's been fortunate to have some really good business people that take care of kind of the business stuff. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think people who like aren't <laughs> obsessed with Elon Musk, like maybe we are, <laughs> and really understand like what all he does. Like he's not just like the business owner. He's like the actual creator of these things. Um, so I, I just thought it was awesome that he spends like 80% of his time doing engineering stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, while also being great at like branding and marketing. Yeah, um, but I he's he's got a lot of time sunk into probably email and some some less exciting things. But yeah. also, you know, he's definitely not just sitting at a desk doing paperwork. So I have a conspiracy theory. Oh, is that exciting? Yeah, this has to do with face ID. Okay, yeah, I saw this on here. And my thinking here is, I saw it so, uh, man, I don't remember the company right now, but some company has come out with a phone that does touch ID or touch like fingerprint sensing through the screen. Yeah, I've seen that. Right. And I thought to myself, like, huh, you know, and 
the thing, so if you're using the phone, you're touching it, you're not always truthfully like looking at it. Like it's sometimes yeah. down, face ID doesn't always work. Right. And sometimes your face is covered, but you can still see your screen. Yeah. The way phones work currently though, you're always touching that screen. So a fingerprint scanner embedded underneath the screen, that makes perfect sense from a design perspective. And I think that like Apple would really embrace that. Yeah. So my conspiracy theory here is why the hell did they create face ID? And my thinking is that perhaps Apple has known all along that, you know, two, three, five, ten years down the line, their phones will use a, an integrated screen fingerprint sensor. Yeah. But that intentionally before that happened, they needed to have a reason to have face tracking technology in the phone. So my thought is like, perhaps, I mean, not really proof on any of this, but like they might've said, Hey, the next logical step a few years down the line is going to be fingerprint scanners in the phone. And if we want to have the ability to track the users, like facial expressions and eye tracking yeah. movement, we need these sensors now. So yeah, it's kind of really interesting. Yeah. So it, it might be a little bit like blanketed in this, you know, the, uh, an emoji as like kind of a gimmick and then the face yeah. unlocking thing. Cause if in a few years, all the phones have fingerprint unlocks built into the screens, the only reason Apple could introduce face ID was to say, well, so we can track where your eyes go so that we can collect data on your, you know? Yeah. So because it, if they even built it with both of them now, people would just use the fingerprint reader. Yeah. So in order to like incentivize people to train the face tracking they have to make it the only option yeah so it's it's a bit of like an opportune moment where if they were going to introduce this technology i mean there's there's legitimate ish reasons but it does seem a little bit you know like sketchy with people's like children in some cases being able to unlock their phones and things yeah. it seems like questionable security increases yeah uh so i think there's some some legitimacy to the fact that Apple really might be more interested in having that data, whether it's, I don't, so the, this is like, what can face ID be used for? And so one is like user centered things, like you can control an animation with your facial gestures, or you can unlock your phone and that's good for you. But it can also do things like Apple's pretty good about this, but ads could track where your eyes are looking. Yeah. Uh, you can, I mean, just the entire time you're using the phone, you could know exactly where the user's looking and like the emotions displayed on their face. From what I understand about how Face ID works now though, um, is that it's not like recording anything like that. So it's not recording your facial movements yeah. or your eye tracking or anything like that. Just at times where it needs to verify that it's you, it does the dot projector yeah. that, you know, goes through some algorithm and is turned into let's say a number or some sort of hash and then it's compared against you know whatever it is so it's not actually yeah. saving a map saving anything it's basically just turning your face into an out into a, an output that it can compare to what it should be yeah i don't think they're able to save any data and like use it there might be a little bit of like anonymously send us your data so that we can improve face yeah. id to some extent, I don't know. Um, they're certainly not keeping it on all the time right now, but like the precedent is sort of sent, or is set, the precedent is, is already there now, that moving forward, regardless of what authentication technology there is, mm -hmm. 
face tracking technology in phones makes sense. And the public yeah. like gets that now. And even like face tracking, so this isn't really related to probably anything that Apple will be working on for a while, but in VR, face like uh, nonverbals are like really hard to replicate in virtual reality. So a lot of times you'll see um, they have sunglasses on or something like that mm. because eye tracking, like you, you can't, when you're talking to somebody, it can't, it doesn't know that you're looking at them or if you're frowning or smiling. Um, but if they were to use the technology in, in the iPhone to even replicate faces in um, virtual reality to be that detailed as like what an Animoji is, that would be really cool. Hmm. I don't really see them working on that. I don't know how related that even is. I just think that's interesting. Yeah, there's so it's, it's, it, it's a technology worth developing for reasons other than authentication. There's a lot of potential there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky to tell the direction they're going in, but I... There's been times in the past where I've been like, Apple, why did you do that silly thing that you did? Yeah. And then, uh, like, something happens, and I, like, I go, oh, it kind of makes sense to me now. Yeah. Well, what I want is for um, Face ID to be in the laptops, because that does make sense. <laughs> yeah. Because you're always looking directly at the screen, and if you just open it up and it authenticates, you don't even have to touch anything. But to your point, like, on a phone, though, you are already always touching it. Um, that's a really good point with the laptops. I haven't even thought of them putting that in there, but I imagine they will or yeah, should. Yeah, I hope so, because, you know, it doesn't matter so much because it authenticates through my Apple Watch. Yeah. But it's still, it, it could still be really cool to, like, I would much rather have Face ID in a laptop to validate when I'm making payments and things yeah. than a fingerprint sensor. Hmm. And I, I really don't like the fingerprint sensor. <laughs> like, that's their solution with the MacBook yeah. Pro right now with the touch bar. Yeah. Uh, that it works sort of, but like it is not great, and it replaces like your power button. It's just it's a weird system. Yeah, I think it's really weird. It kind of comes across as like an interim thing. I'm curious how the touch bar is doing. I haven't heard much about it, like people liking or just disliking it. I think it's pulling. It's pulling an Apple Watch, and that is to say, still pretty early, and it's like what it can be for the future product life cycle. Yeah. Uh, and probably it's not completely floundering, but also it's probably not really pushing people to get the Pro when they could just get the... I learned it's called the MacBook Escape. Do you know that? That's the official name? No, I think that's like the fan okay. name. I've heard that, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've just heard MacBook and MacBook with touch bar or something. Yeah, no, I think it's called that because it has an escape button. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I do think that's a funny name. I've seen people use it though, and it does look kind of nice to just do controls up there. I'm just, I just haven't really heard anything about it. Yeah. But uh, the Apple, you said it's the Apple Watch. I love my Apple Watch. Well, it, it is like it's still early. I've been seeing a lot of people with AirPods the past like two months. Oh my gosh! I got the AirPods a while ago. Like that's when they came out, and like I hadn't seen them anywhere, and people were like making fun of me for like wearing them. <laughs> but I'm starting to see them everywhere now, and they're like, yeah. it's like one of my favorite Apple products. I guess yeah. I love the iPhone 10 actually, but before that, it was it's been my favorite Apple product in years. I'm astounded that I get, like I waited so long to get them because I was just like, Psh, I don't need that. I, like because I I wound my headphones, I always had them on me. That's like two of the big pain points that AirPods solve is people don't usually have. Like some people didn't have their headphones on them, and then if they did, they were tangled mess, and I didn't have yeah. either of those problems. Yeah, doesn't even matter. AirPods are like the greatest product 
that Apple has created in a long time. And I really believe, like, not only are they just so well designed, but they are just so fundamentally Apple. There's just, there's one color. There's almost no settings. They're just these beautiful, minimal, and very different. Like, you haven't seen or uh, wireless earbuds that, like, kind of use the case the way the AirPods do. Yeah. Like, they sit in there when they're not in use, and it's just such a good system. There was one before they did it, but it was really ugly. It was like a Kickstarter. It didn't work. They went out of sync all the time, and the battery was awful. Um, But, you know, it's, again, Apple. Like, they're waiting until they do it right, and then they do it right. Yeah. I literally, earlier today... Just for no reason, I just thought and remembered it because I was complaining a lot on r slash AirPods for a yeah. while. Like, oh, I don't think I'll really like them and things. I went on there today and just wrote a review of them. And I was like, I love these things. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> but so this is the big five tech companies. Okay. I'm going to go down and rank them. Oh, okay. We'll see if they agree. Yeah. So... To clarify, and this is, I guess, a little bit of my opinion, but it's hard to argue any alternatives. I think there's five major sort of technology companies. And so you've got Apple, Amazon, mm-hmm. Facebook, which that one may be the most arguable. Uh, they have Oculus. They have, they have some other cool projects aside from Facebook. Yeah. But then uh, Microsoft and shit, Google. Google. <laughs> it always <laughs> forgot. I always get to four, and I'm like, "Well, there's that other one." <laughs> is that in order? No, that was a random order. Okay. That was just the first ones that came to my head. And I, don't, I just want to go ahead and rank. You know, how you, what do you like? I guess just the ones you like the the most versus least or whatever. I guess start with least. Least would be Facebook. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> a bad time. <laughs> well, even before that, like um. I just I'm just not a fan of, of Facebook. I'm a huge fan of Oculus, uh, even Instagram. So maybe Facebook as a company. That's just things they bought. Though. I like. That's true. Yeah, but it's hard to even explain what I don't like. It's just like using Facebook, like the social media app Facebook, is everything on there is complete garbage. Mm-hmm. Like everything that people share is. Like, if you go to Instagram, it's somewhat, it's typically more authentic, it's more interesting, but even, even Twitter, but when, when I'm on, every time I'm on Facebook, I'm just, I don't care about any of this stuff. Well, it's a bit of the odd man out here also, because it's, you know, primarily it is a social network and all these other ones are like software and computer companies. Um, but they do have like, they, you know, they have their big keynotes, they have like this initiative where they're trying to get internet to the world through like, you know, planes. I don't know if you've seen that. Like, yeah. Like they're they're up there in. I would say, no, I definitely would consider them a tech company, and I do like their their side projects much more than I like Facebook. Yeah. Like even like the governance of advertising and <laughs> revenue share with creators, like they're they're trying to do so much mm. on Facebook that. They're doing it all poorly, I feel like. It's like it's a great like contacts app. Like I can find people that I need to contact. Um, but trying to use it in any like meaningful way is just miserable and I I'm just yeah. not a fan. I've been trying to think of so I think for me Facebook is also at the bottom of this list. Uh, maybe a little bit more of a close call for me. 
but I'm trying to think of something that I like that Facebook does. It's all right. <laughs> it's like only things that they've bought or, you know, their best technology is, which, you know, makes sense. You know, it's a business. Uh, their business is advertising and they do a great job at it. Um, but that doesn't mean anything to me as a user. I mean, so they haven't messed up Messenger too much for me. I See, I hate Messenger. No? Yeah. I get in there and there's like so much spam in Messenger. Every time I open it, like it asks me to turn on my notifications and huh. it asks me every single time. And no matter how many times I hit no, um, yeah, I just, I just don't like it. And even like this, is, it doesn't even have anything to do with this. Uh, what is it? Cambridge Analytica. I forget what it's called. Yeah. That's uh, not even Facebook's fault in my, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think that was that like data mining company. They were using Facebook the way that Facebook allows things to be used. What should Facebook allow us to be used that way? That, no, that's a, that's a fair point yeah. too. And I definitely agree with it. Um, but it's always worked that way. I don't think we should be surprised that Facebook allows you to do those things because I work at an advertising agency and we use that stuff all the time. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, it's not a surprise. That's in their rules. It's very public. It was like somebody found a way to use it in a bad way. Yeah. And um, that should be their fault. And then Facebook should respond to that um, mm -hmm. and change the way that they allow this information to be used. Um, but I don't, I, I don't think that um, should affect this whole situation. I think that's like you should respond and fix it. Um, you shouldn't. I don't think that it was always Facebook's fault because it's been very public how they, what they allow you to use. Yeah, no, I, I pretty much agree. Let's let's go on to number four. Four. Yeah. So what was what were the other ones? Um, yeah. Amazon, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple. Okay, so my number Google. four is Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I guess. I even applied to Microsoft and I had an interview there and I'm applying to more jobs at Microsoft. So hopefully this goes out uh, before this becomes number one in iTunes and everybody's listened to it. But uh, like even like the application process to applying to Microsoft was kind of difficult. Like the site was always like kind of broken. Um, the descriptions had a bunch of typos yeah. and the formatting was always messed up which I think is just representative of kind of what I don't like about Microsoft is that it's got a lot of great technology, a lot of very smart people, um, but they don't focus on like the details. Yeah. Um, well, what's weird with this kind of list is Microsoft is kind of an odd one out in being just, it feels like an old company compared yeah. to the others. And you used to be able to group Microsoft and uh, Apple, but now probably you're more grouping Apple and Google. If yeah. you just ask, you know, people off the street. Yeah, and I like that doesn't mean that I don't like I I like Microsoft. Like if we're putting these people on a sliding scale, and Facebook is at the far end, <laughs> Microsoft's like much closer to <laughs> the other companies. Oh, yeah? I do like Microsoft. It's just like using their products I get the same feel they like they feel slightly buggy mm -hmm. um, the thing that I applied for was for like and they have like this really cool like education program 
uh, for like connecting teachers and sharing lessons plans and getting a, a technology into the classrooms. Mm -hmm. And like that would have been awesome to work on. Um, so they, they do, and then all obviously Hololens. They do lots of really awesome things. Yeah. So I think they're a great tech company, but um, that's why they're poor for me. I think so. Microsoft would be bottom of the barrel for me, and I'm I'm even tempted to make them that on this list. You mean five? You're yeah, five. like okay. the worst. Uh, except <clears throat> that I just respect and love their uh, what, what is it, Surface division. Oh, really? Yeah, like watch one of those keynotes sometime. The main dude behind it is this guy, oh man, this part might get edited out while I think of his name. I haven't used Surface, I haven't even used Windows really in a, in a while, so um, for I don't even know if the reasons why I left are still there, like uh, maybe it's gotten better. Uh, I used the original Surface Pro. It was the is that the one with like the light version of Windows? No, it was like, like it was Windows full Windows. Windows. There was LT, like Surface LT, I think, when that first launched, or maybe maybe it was just called Surface Regular. I don't know, but I had the Pro and it had full Windows, and it was super cool. I was walking around with this tablet that also ran full Windows and ran all that, the CAD programs and all that. Uh, and but the like, if you watch these keynotes. It is like a little version of Apple at Microsoft, and it's like they're a little bit trying to copy it, and I don't love that. Hmm. But the main dude, his name's Panos Pene. Hmm. Watch the keynotes. This guy is like one of my heroes. He's just so freaking authentic on that stage when they present products, and it's like you can really tell that they care about some of the things that they create. So I'm a huge fan of the Surface line, and I want it to succeed, but it's weird that they're... You know, they're trying to do basically what Apple, like the world's richest or whatever company, right? What Apple basically exclusively does with this tiny division of Microsoft. Okay. So it's almost an underdog. That sounds cool. Yeah. I'll look that up. Panos Panay? Yeah, well, just, just one of the keynotes and just watch for like 30 seconds and you'll be like, oh, this guy is not your typical, like, you know, sometimes even Apple presentations, they get those like really kind of uptight presenter people yeah. and it was it's just like that's so like Johnny Ives for Microsoft. he's like the jobs oh, and, okay. you know how jobs would just get up there and he's like so in the zone and comfortable yeah that's Panos at Microsoft hmm. all right I'll definitely it's, look him up it's him and it, yeah just the surface that's what kind of digs Microsoft out of the grave for me. so what's your opinion on touchscreen laptops or tablets with full operating systems do you like that? Because mm. I know people that are like, that love their touchscreen on their laptop yeah. or whatever, which... I, I think it's a goofy thing that's not supposed to be happening. Okay, I agree. Because it's the whole interface is designed yeah. for the cursor. Yeah. You're mucking it, up your screen and you really, it's, it's really awkward. Yeah. Which I think is like, rep like representative of what Microsoft does a lot is that like... This was designed for one thing, and now we're going to try try to make it work halfway for another thing, which half the time makes it very, like halfway work for both things, or one experience is just really poor. Um, like the only thing I could see it being useful for is for scrolling, which is like a negligible advantage as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Everything else that you would interact with on your screen, it sounds miserable to like try and convert that. 
whatever it is without making it really huge. And then if it's making it really huge, you're, wait, you're just wasting space on the screen. Yeah, even with the ones like the yoga tablet computers that wrap around, you still have a keyboard on the back. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, the Surface solved this by having like the, the soft touch cover keyboard yeah. thing, which had its own problems. But even that, I feel like shot. they should do a different operating system that's optimized for touching. Yeah, well, that's, that's what my main problem with it is. That's kind of, yeah, that's what you get when you have like a hybrid thing is you, you're going to yeah. get kind of the worst and best of both worlds. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's a mess. It's a mess. I did love the Surface Pro, though. For the time that I had it, it was a solid computer. It had note-taking, and it still like was able to do computer things. Mm -hmm. I used like a, a Bluetooth keyboard with it, though, because just that was the only way to do it. Um, All right, let's so, rank. so far, we agree, then, I guess? Uh, barely. I, like, okay. It would be very easy to flip. Facebook and Microsoft for me, but go probably ahead. Probably agree on number one, so I think two and three will be our chance to. Really? Okay. Um, you go first because I don't. I don't actually don't even know what my three is yet. Oh, so this is where it gets tough for me. Yeah. Apple. Hard to truly complain about because they're they're pretty alright. And then Amazon, I think Amazon is three. I'm putting Amazon three. Okay. That's the, that's the answer. We're we're gonna have the same list probably. Oh really? So we should have we should have put these down <laughs> first. <laughs> because I think okay, I'll I'll change mine so we have something different. Because <laughs> I, I, I could go either way really between uh, Google and Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So why why is Amazon your three or why is yeah why is Amazon your three? Oh, just because so I was never really too big a fan of Amazon. It's just there's multiple products with the same type on them, and this is kind of like little nitpicky things, but like they'll do this thing where if you order something, so that you order something and it's Prime two days, but some of those Prime two day things Amazon does not keep in their own warehouses, and they now they like they have no right and reasonable ability to guarantee that it'll be there in two days. So when you order it at like two days ahead, it says guaranteed delivery this day that's two days from now, right? And that's just complete bullshit. If it's an item that they actually have in their warehouse, it's pretty certain it's gonna be there. But so if have it's, you gotten things late then? Have, yeah, so many times. Really? It has been guaranteed delivery this day and then the guy that, or like the third party person that Amazon gets it from, didn't ship it in sort of the time that Amazon kind of expected they would. But like Amazon's not in control of it at all. So they're not able to guarantee that. And then the worst of it is that after, so it says guaranteed delivery this date. As soon as they miss that date that is guaranteed, quote unquote, it switches the wording to expected delivery or something uh, like that. It's just like, it's, ah, oh, man, just like if you, if you want to build like customer loyalty, uh, and it, they know it too. Because if you call them, this is their thing. Prime is their out. You complain about anything, they're just like, "Here's some more Prime." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go well, <away>. okay. <laughs> I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to keep. I'm going to move Amazon to second so that I can counterpoint. Uh, yeah. <laughs> your reasoning for the third, uh, because I love Amazon, and they do more than just like the store, which um, I'll get into when I go through mine. But um, I guess my number three will be Google. Um, like I said, that's my top three are all very 
very close. Um, but I think I don't like Google just because, you know, they have YouTube, they have like, they've revolutionized like the internet completely, basically. Yeah. Um, but I guess for similar reasons to Facebook, it's just like the ethics of YouTube. Yeah, YouTube um, would be is the primary thing dragging Google yeah, down. Or even the ethics of Google, the ethics of Facebook. Um, I think that's where my problem is, is just in like securing user data, um, like actually caring about the user. Um, whereas with like Apple, it does not sell advertising. So their main, that's why they're mine first is because... Oh, spoiler alert. Oh man, <laughs> if I saw that coming after we talked about nothing but Apple. But because like they're not an advertising company, that it they are motivated to make products that you yeah. know yeah. are good for the user. Whereas um, Facebook, Google, their their uh, loyalty is to the advertisers and making that program great. You don't feel like Amazon has those kind of. So you're you're trying to say why Amazon Google's does. Below them right now, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I, Amazon, I guess, does have that loyalty, but it's different. I don't actually know if they do or not. I haven't been... Not, it's not even so much to advertising though. It's more to just like e-commerce is what Amazon's loyalty is to. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they, they do a lot of data gathering, but I feel like it's in a different. It's from a different perspective than Google and Facebook mm -hmm. is from. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna. I, I'm actually pretty happy with moving it now because yeah, of that reason. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's my reason for Google being, being right, third. Right, right, yeah. um, which I guess I'll go ahead and get into Amazon then. Yeah. So my second would be Amazon, um, obviously because of just like revolutionizing uh, e-commerce. Um, like Jeff Bezos, like if you watch his interviews from the very beginning, is like similar to Elon Musk. Just Elon Musk is like from the future. Uh, but he like had a very clear plan basically for how, how to get to where Amazon is. He saw the whole thing and um, I, I think that's awesome. But then they also have like these peripheral things that all kind of bladders up to that, like uh, the Echo, um, you know, the Kindle, they're, they're great at selling things. Mm -hmm. They've mastered that. Um, yeah, there. so for me that like, Kindle, it's like they don't even have their own product page for that. It's just kind of weirdly integrated into Amazon. Yeah. And then as for like Jeff himself, I was actually surprised. I just started reading a book that's supposed to be about Elon Musk because that's the first name in the title, but so far it's only talked about Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm surprised how little I knew about him. Uh, he seems coolish so far. He's a little bit more like of a dweeb kind yeah, of person. You should you should listen to his interview on from Recode last year. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. Um, just talking about like the future. He's very practical. He's very like frugal, mm -hmm. or like like none of the other tech companies are. Mm -hmm. Like it, it seems like much more of like a bootstrapped kind of hard work company that like saw like something and like yeah. did a great job at it. Yeah, I respect that. Ready for my number two? I'm ready. I'm going to put number two 
<laughs> it's going to be Apple. I'm going to put what? Apple in the second spot. Really? And the, well, there's you like didn't a, even remember, remember that Google was even in the top five when we were talking <laughs> about the initial <laughs> list, and now we're number one. I always forget one. It doesn't matter. It's just the last one that I get to. But um, so Apple is, like I said, it's, it's pretty good. A little bit, so that what this boils down to here is a leader, right? So you could even make this argument to say Amazon's above Google, and I would even maybe be open to that. I'm going to leave it as as is for simplicity and say Google's number or Apple's number two. But um, you know they've kind of it was a Jobs company, like it was Steve Jobs company. Yeah. And now it's like a Tim Cook company, and I just I'm a little concerned. The, the innovation's a little bit stifled and I yeah. mean, they're, they're doing all right. And it's I like, I don't know. It's hard to imagine how Apple could have possibly failed after S Steve Jobs, but, but they were Steve so Jobs ingrained that culture yeah. into everything so deeply that they can't even do what they did when he left the first uh, time. There's some things happening though. with like the, the fact that they're using old phone models and yeah. there's like there's like seven iPhone yeah. types right now. Yeah, because Tim Cook is he's yeah. an operations guy. The MacBook is he's like a like numbers sales yeah. guy, and he knows how to maximize that. Yeah. But I was very worried about the stifling of innovation kind of thing uh, when Steve Jobs died. <laughs> um, but to be honest, I don't think it's as good as it would be with Steve Jobs. But yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it's gone. It's hard to complain about it too much, but the thing about, so then I'll talk about my number one, I guess, here briefly. Yeah. But the thing about Google is like, maybe, did we talk about this before? Did I ask you, do you know who, who is in charge of Alphabet? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, you're not. How are you not sure of that, huh? <laughs> do you know who's in charge of Google? Um, I, I always forget their names, but is it still the original two guys? No, it's not. That's, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. It's not very significant, but the fact that like I can't walk up to people on the street and they'll tell me who founded Google or who's currently in charge of Google or who runs Alphabet is is interesting to me. It's a little bit, it yeah. seems, and this whole Alphabet structure that they have now, which is you know different from what all these other companies have done, is pretty interesting to me. Yeah. And you know they've they've done good work on the hardware that they have put out, and they're great at their software. And so YouTube is the one exception to things with just. I mean, they've definitely got, <laughs> they've got their hands in more things than any other of the top five lists. Like they've got, you know, yeah, there's Alpha everywhere. Zero, Alpha Go. They've they've got um, Nest. They've got. Um, obviously Google, like Gmail, like that's what I meant. Like they changed the internet. Like they, they're doing. Oh, another thing about Amazon is just like AWS. Like they're very, they're a very functional company. Mm, yeah, um, that's the other side of Amazon, huh? Um, but yeah, back to Google, I guess. Um, they're they're undeniably like the most, I think, influential of the internet. Yes, yeah, there's something and about them that. Well that makes them sort of the most different in this list. Yeah. Somehow, because they're a little bit of everything to me. Yeah. And they're like very good at everything. Yeah. Um, but it, for me, it comes, I think, more down to the motive behind why they're even in so many pots. And it always comes to um, selling data and advertising. 
mm. which makes sense. It's a necessary part of, you know, these business structures and making them work. Yeah. Um, but like that makes me respect them as a company and that they've done it so well. But as a user, I just don't care so much. Yeah. So it could be, oh man, it's so hard. And I could be definitely convinced about the order of this list, but I'm going to put Google at one right now for the simple fact that, that they are alphabet. They like, they transcend yeah. being a company almost. They don't do one thing. They do everything. Yeah. Which uh, has been leaked earlier in the podcast. When I, my number one is Apple. Um, <laughs> Which basically still comes down to the focus on the user and the user experience and design, mm -hmm. um, but not only looking great, but like being functional. Um, they, at least from how things look and how things have gone in the past, very ethical. Um, you know, the reason for that could be because they are ethical. The other reason could be because <laughs> that sells. Who really knows? But like things are like security is always a priority. The, I don't know if Jobs seemed like a particularly ethical dude. I think in like the products, probably not so much in like <laughs> getting the products done. Uh, but the, the like priority on security down to even like the priority on accessibility um, yeah. is just like they try to make great things. And yeah. um, a lot of the Criticism is that well, Apple wasn't the first people to do that, which I don't care so much about that. Yeah. I care more that like say they like if they waited four years too long to make a larger smartphone, they did that because they thought that was the right choice. They realized that maybe that people wanted a larger phone and then they went to that. Um, so I think they do a good job of like not moving with the trends and moving with yeah. um, what should be. And I'm also a huge fan of, you know, people complaining about, like, even back to, like, when they switched from the 30-pin connector to the lightning connector and to getting rid of CD yeah. drives and, um, like, maybe the USB-B thing was, like, a year or two early. <laughs> but I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff because, like, there's nothing I hate more than, like, using things just because those are the things that have always been used. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that a lot, too. usb are you talking about the ones that the MacBooks use now? Or yeah, maybe they got rid of like USB. Um, I think a, they went A to C, yeah, and then and B some weird in between. But um, yeah, which I'm a, I'm fine with. Yeah, but the issue is that you know it wasn't at like production wasn't at a level yet to like make it easy for that transition. Yeah. Um, which yeah. you know I'm not even like I'm I'm fine with it because I don't connect anything to my laptop. But if you're like a professional. Um, like podcaster, somebody that's like got yeah. a huge podcast or video editor, or somebody that's doing like professional work, which Apple claims to be building their computers for. Yeah, they just can't really live off of not having um, ports, basically, yeah. which isn't an issue for me, but for that, it took courage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, that's literally, definitely like, the cheesiest. It, it sort of a little bit does. I mean, it, that came off badly at that case, but yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're pretty bold about like we don't really care all that much about whether the majority of people want us to keep this feature. Yeah, because they're like an, they're an artisanal design company basically, but then so many users that it gets down to like the average American has an iPhone now. It's a weird kind of contrast. Yeah, it's no longer like okay. Um, it's it's okay for them to do it. They can do whatever they want, but um, 
when you're like the largest company in the world yeah. affecting so many people maybe it's okay to like keep hold on to some legacy mm-hmm. stuff just a little bit longer or at least give an option for it well i think what it boils down to for apple and the, the argument i would make if they were going to be my number one would be that they have their ecosystem down oh pack. yeah i mean for storage solutions it's a little up in the air for me i'm not too fan too big on icloud but just yeah. hardware with software and that's always been their thing uh microsoft if they had it together, they would be like one or two, but they, it's shambles, yeah. right? Like the operating system, blah, and then yeah. what even is Windows Mobile right now? That's a good point. Is there Windows Mobile right now? No, <laughs> not for anybody <laughs> who doesn't work at Google or Microsoft. Uh, and then Google, you'd think they'd be poised for this. Yeah. And not only is Android not something that I can get behind, I, I don't agree with the philosophy. I mean, it's great that's open, but like, I don't really see a great purpose to pay the same as an iPhone for something that runs Android. That's the other thing. It's like Apple owns everything, which kind of like gives them that advantage because Windows... You get to be in the Apple ecosystem. Yeah. Windows has to rely on other manufacturers or other companies to build something, build a computer that works with Windows. Uh, Google has to build Android in a way that works uh, yeah. for Samsung and LG and everybody else, which is very difficult yeah. to do. Um, and also cuts into things like margins, which like like my wife's um, mom got like an ad just randomly on her phone the other day and she clicked on it and started playing some noise and then we couldn't even figure out how to turn the thing on. <laughs> some lady at work said like she gets an ad on her phone before she can even answer a call. Like stuff like that is like completely ridiculous. <laughs> like, like the the fact that it's so easy to accidentally download these things or uh, to enable yeah. some sort of thing where you can just have ads on your phone because Samsung put some like yeah. if they if they like put stock Android on all these things, I'm sure it would be fine. But they allowing like Samsung to it's put better, them. but even stock is yeah. still just so meant to use be used for so many things that it's not comparable to the iPhone for me. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. and then they don't even have. An operating system for a computer. They have a Chromebook, but yeah, you know, it's not. Yeah. Well, they also don't make a computer. But yeah. I mean, well, they do everything else. Pixels. Uh, yeah, that's true. Kind of. But that was kind of a result of the Chromebook. The, and like with Android, the fact that you can't guarantee that your phone will be able to use the most up to date version of Android, like, when you look at like the fragmentation of Android versions, it's like yeah, it's rough. five to ten percent is on the latest version, mm-hmm. and like not even because like they don't push it to be updated, but because they have to support such a wide variety of phones that it's hard to even roll it out to all the phones, and it, it's in some like rolling thing where some get them and some don't, um, even if you just bought the phone. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll leave it at that. Maybe I'm really excited to see this list get other competitors on it. Like, I really think, like, what even is number six on this list? Yeah. Like, uh, Samsung is the only one I've thought maybe could even qualify. Samsung's so hardware-focused, though. Yeah, they it's really don't even excited about. count in this, like, kind of, yeah. they don't fit nearly as well as these other ones. Yeah, I'd have to think about that. Like, it seems like there's this huge gap after five. Yeah. And I'd love to see, like, something else, even if it is at the bottom for a while, be in these ranks. Yeah. Like, Snapchat, but no. 
Snapchat I want to be more successful than <laughs> it is. Uh, um, I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, give it five years and see where we are? Yeah. That'll be in the uh, uh, 300th anniversary episode. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, we have a name now, so that's exciting. And yeah. um, I guess we'll start posting those.